Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. I believe that today, as we begin this new series, it is literally going to change and shift not only the trajectory of your life, but of our church. Uh, I want to invite you on a journey today, because for the next four weeks, for the next four weeks, I would not miss a single Sunday. In fact, I would invite somebody, three of your friends, two of your haters, tell them to come to Social Dallas. Because I want to begin a journey over the next four weeks to critically examine, consider, and begin to comprehend what does it mean to fear God? What would my life look like? What would your life look like if you walked in what the Bible calls the fear of God? Other scriptures, it calls it the fear of the Lord. Now, let me just say as a disclaimer before I even jump into this today, that I am fully aware on the surface this is not the most exciting subject. Like some of you, you should see your face right now. I'm fully aware that on the surface, when you even hear the phrase, fear God, or the fear of the Lord, I'm sure it conjures up all kinds of emotions for you. Like for some of you, when you hear fear God, you're like, yo, I'm scared right now. Some of you, you hear fear God, you're like, come on, Robert, that's Old Testament stuff. Come on, we're in a new dispensation of grace. I'm in a New Testament. What are you talking about, fear God? Maybe when you hear fear God, you think, yo, I'm out. Really? Fear God in a pandemic? No, I don't need the fear of God. How about you do a series on the peace of God? Come on. How about you do a series on the love of God? How about you do a series on the joy of God? How about you do a series on the favor of God? Come on, wouldn't you love to talk about that for four weeks, the favor of God? If I talked about the favor of God for the next four weeks, we would not have enough space in this place. I'm talking about the YouTube views would go up. If I told you for four weeks, I'm going to tell you about the favor of God. Can you imagine if just for four weeks I told you, mm, the reason you got all them haters, because you got God's favor. The reason they don't like you is because you got God's favor. The reason you walk into your job and they Roll your eyes. It's because you got God's favor. The reason they can't handle your gift, your call, your talent, your anointing, who is because they sense the purpose of God on your life and you got favor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you a hater if you can't handle my favor. Oh, if I preach that, this place would be packed. Y'all be running around the church shouting and screaming. Don't we love that? We love that bubblegum preaching, don't we? It's funny how if you're not careful, preachers and the church will help you in your narcissism. Because we always want to hear about us. Tell me about my favor. Tell me about how I'm going to get blessed. Fear of God? What about faith in God or favor on me? Let's talk about that. I'd much rather hear about favor than fear. But the reality is there is something that the body of Christ is missing out on because we don't understand what it means to fear God. Now, some of you are going, Robert, I, I, I'm here, I'm with you, but I'm just stuck right now in fear. What a powerful song we just sang in worship. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. How many of you know if there was ever a song for us to sing, that's the song to sing in this season we find ourselves in. Oh, I don't care how brave you are. I don't care how saved you are. I guarantee you that in the last year, fear has knocked on your door. Can we be real in here today? Come on, some of y'all like, eh, knocked on my door. Fear FaceTimes me every single day. Fear is on the Zoom call every single day. I don't care how much you say I love God. I promise you in these last two years, you have been hit with some fear. It's a reality, fear. So let's just stop right there at fear because some of us are crippled right now just by fear. The fear of another shutdown. The fear of a virus you can't see. The fear of isolation. The fear of losing a loved one. The fear of dying prematurely. The fear of rejection. The fear of confrontation. 
the fear of an opportunity that you've been given, but you wonder, do you even have what it takes to step into the opportunity that's in front of you? Oh, there's a lot of things for us to fear today. The fear of another shutdown, the fear of people talking about you behind your back and you're wondering, can you really trust them? Fear knows how to cripple every aspect of your life. The fear of Instagram shutting down again without telling anybody for six hours. <laughs> oh, don't lie. You know last week you was just like scrolling, refreshing, going, did I pay my phone bill this week? Fear. So I get it. There's a whole lot of persons, places, and things that we could be afraid of so we could just talk about fear. And so you telling me, Robert, that on top of all the things that I could fear, you gonna add to it talking about the fear of God? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I'm wondering today if the reason many of us are riddled with all these other fears is because we don't understand the fear of God. Could it be possible that it is a loss of the fear of God that has actually created a culture of anxiety and fear. I'm wondering today if the fear of God is actually the antidote for the fear of man. Ooh, and I know, I don't know, you're looking at me in that tone of voice, you're like, Robert, that seems like an oversimplification to me. I mean, that's just, come on, just if that's it, just fear God and everything else will take care of itself. That seems so simple. Oh, how many of you know we have the tendency to make simple things complex and complex things simple? But I'm with you on the simple part. I'm, I'm with you on the simple part because I'm be honest with you today. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start today in this series because you understand that whew, over 300 times in this Bible, over 300 times you will hear this phrase, the fear of the Lord or the fear of God or to fear his word. So I'm gonna be honest with you, there's no way in four weeks and show not in 40 minutes can I explain the breadth and the depth of what it means to fear God. I am lost for words today. I feel like, come on, a soccer mom at a Target sale. I don't know where to start today. <laughs> Because there's so much. There's so many different angles when we're talking about the fear of God. I mean, where can we go from? You could start in this book right down the middle. You could split it down the middle and go to the book of Proverbs. You know the book of Proverbs? Come on. I call it wisdom for dummies. That's the book of Proverbs. And look at what Proverbs says. It says right here in chapter 1, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord. That entire book is given right there, a summation of what Proverbs is about, trying to get you to understand that the fear of the Lord is the way you get wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is different than having a college degree. You can have more degrees than a thermometer and be smart as anybody, but still not have wisdom. You ever met somebody that was so smart they were stupid? I'm talking about somebody that could run a company but can't run their family. I'm talking about a girl that had it. I mean, she can kill it in the boardroom, CEO, killing it, high heels on, running, know how to pick the right person in the right spot, but then you look at who she chooses to date, you're like, girl, for real? That's wisdom. That's what it says. If you want wisdom, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Keep going. Proverbs goes in Proverbs chapter 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It goes on in Proverbs chapter 10. It says, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Ooh, it's a whole lot of things on the fear of the Lord. I don't know where to start. Maybe Proverbs chapter 14, we can do this one. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Those of you who are crippled by timidity, how many of you know if you had the fear of the Lord, you would have the boldness that you need to step into what God has for you? It starts with the fear of the Lord. There's strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is whoo, a fountain of life. You can quit with the Botox. You can chill out on working out so much. Get the fear of the Lord. You would add to your life to turn one away from the snares of death. There's a lot of things in Scripture on the fear of the Lord. What about the book of Psalms? What about the book of Psalms? Go, go to that verse. Go to that verse. Ooh, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. The book of Psalms, that's a song, so that actually should be a song. I should have sang that one right there. I should make up just a song on that. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Don't, don't, don't. 
serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. I think I got a hit. Don't, 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 don't. Oh, tenors. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Don't, 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 with fear and rejoice. Maverick City better sign me up. Come on. Sopranos. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice. With trembling. Sing it. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. So hold on. So hold on. I skipped the Ecclesiastes verse. Go to Ecclesiastes. Go to Ecclesiastes. Remember this Ecclesiastes verse? This tripped me out. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Whew. Look at that's in a chapter where it's talking about the essence and the meaning of life. He gives it to you right there. I'm breaking down for you. You're looking for your purpose. What am I supposed to do in my life? There it is. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Go to the other verse in Psalms. Look at what it says. Oh, there's another song. He will bless those who fear the Lord both small and great. I gave you gospel. Let me do another version of this one. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great, both small and great. We got a diverse church. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great, both small and great. Both of those songs are going to be in sale in the lobby after service today. Fear the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Don't, don't, don't. He will bless those. Oh, I'm crazy. Okay. It's all throughout. I, I don't know where to stop. Job 28, 28. Oh, and this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Should we keep going? There's 300 plus of these. And I know some of y'all, you're scholars here. You're like, okay, that's Old Testament. Can we get some New Testament? Go to the book of Acts. <laughs> then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they were multiplied. Hold up. Hold up. The church was multiplied? Not because they had a great marketing plan. Not because they had the best worship. Not because they were out there on Instagram saying, you better show up, swipe to come. No, it's because they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Oh, these ain't even on the screen. I didn't give them earlier because I got all 300 of them memorized. Psalm 25 says that the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him and he will remember his covenant. In other words, God has secrets that he'll give people that fear him. Another version says that God confides in those who fear him. I know you love that you can confide in God. Thank you, you're the only one I can tell this. But I'm telling you, God wants to be able to confide in you. And he will tell you insider information when you understand the fear of the Lord. I love it. You even see in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, he gets a gangster with him and he tells him, you shouldn't fear people that can just kill your body. Fear the one who can destroy the soul and your body. In other words, there is a boldness that is the byproduct of understanding the fear of God. I don't know where to start. Maybe I'll start at 2020. Since 2020 was the year that I think took all of us into this pandemic of fear. Let's start at 2020, Exodus 2020. This will be our main thought today. By the way, I'm titling this message, Face the Fear. Face the Fear. Look at what it says in Exodus 2020. It says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Did y'all read what I just read? <laughs> Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That what your Bible says? One more time, Amplified Version. Moses said to the people, 
Do not be afraid. Okay, slow down, Mo. I got you. Don't be afraid. Another version says, don't fear. All right, got you. God has come to test you so that fear, hold on, hold on, back it up, Moses. You just said, though, <laughs> don't be afraid. Yeah. But you said God has come to test me so that the fear, yeah. Moses, I'm confused. You just said don't be afraid. That's right. But God's come to test me so that the fear, that's right, would be in me to keep me from sin. Have you ever read the Bible and been like, yo, is this contradicting itself? What in the world are you talking about? How in the world could in one verse Moses say to the people, don't be afraid. Don't fear God. Don't fear. Don't, I know you're tripping. Do not fear. But God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Those of you who already know this, obviously the Bible is letting us know there are two types of fears. There are two types of fear. There is a fear that should be rejected and there is a fear that should be accepted. There is a fear that you need to fight with everything in you against it and there is another fear that you have to face it you have to lean into it and when you lean into that fear it will change every other thing in your life so I'm telling you you got to face the fear either way you can either succumb to the fear that will cripple you or you can say I'm going to choose to fear the Lord and when you fear the Lord it will take care of all the other fears but either way, fear's gonna hit you upside the head. It's interesting, you've studied the Bible, you see this all throughout, the two types of fears. God has not given us a spirit of but of power and love and a sound mind. It says the perfect love cast out all. all fear, all of it, but you better keep one. And that's the one that he says must be in you because when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it does not mean that we are to be afraid of him. It means that we are to reverence him to reverence him. This is going to be my first point, and this is going to be integral and foundational to this entire series. Here's the first point I want you to get. Please write it down. Type it in your phone. First thing I want you to get is that the fear of God or fearing God is not the same as being afraid of God. The fear of God is not the same as being afraid of God. When the Bible says I want you to fear God. He's saying reverence him, respect him, stand in awe of who he is. Know that the God that you serve is holy. He is set apart. He is transcendent. He has power. He has weight. It's saying reverence him. It's not saying be afraid of him. This is not the same fear that snuck into the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were disobedient and as soon as they took of the forbidden fruit that God told them not to eat of, what was their first reaction? It was to cover and hide and shame and they ran away. They played hide and go seek with God. Now, isn't that a setup to lose? When you think you can run away from God, it makes me laugh because God even calls out to him as he's looking at him. Uh, where are you? <laughs> like, oh, you see us? Yeah, it's kind of what I do. <laughs> they ran away in fear. Why? Because of sin. Sin it into the world. There's many people who are afraid of God, and you're afraid of God because of your sin. This is not the fear that God is saying. He does not want you to run away from him. He wants you to run towards him. See, the true fear of the Lord that is a reverence, that is a respect for God, it does not cause you to run away from him. It actually causes you to run to him. It causes you to fall at his feet because you realize that you cannot do life without him, and you need him. So if you want to know if you have the right fear, check your feet. You got the wrong fear if you're running away from him because you're scared. You got the right fear if you're running towards him saying, God, you are holy. You are God and beside you there is no other. You are the king of the universe. You are God with all power in your hand. I need you. I can't do life without you. If I run away from you, I'm going to mess my life up. I'm going to do something so stupid. I'm going to pick the wrong spouse. I'm not going to take the right job. I can't run away from you. I got to get closer to you because you are my life. You are my navigation system. You are my purpose. I need your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where will I go? I won't know how to walk in that boardroom with confidence. I won't know how to have security 
if I don't stay in your presence. I'm telling you, the right fear of God will make you run towards him, not away from him, because you realize I cannot do life without you. I need you. And all throughout scripture, you will see this contradiction, this juxtaposition, if you will, between being afraid, a fear that will keep you enslaved, and having a holy reverence for who God is. One of my favorites. Are y'all bored yet? One of my favorites is in Mark chapter 4. Remember Jesus on the boat with his disciples? And he said, we're going to go to the other side. They're like, ooh, I've been trying to get to the other side. He's like, oh, you're going to see what's about to happen. Remember that? Mark chapter 4. And en route to the other side, storm breaks out. Hurricane breaks out. Wind, waves, higher than they've ever seen. These, most of them are fishermen. You know if a fisherman is tripping out about the storm, this is a real storm. This is a for real storm. This is it. I'm about to die. I love it because I can see them in fear, panicking. Come on, you've been raised in church. You floated in here. You had communion for breakfast. Come on. What is Jesus doing in the storm? Sleep. Sleep. Ooh, I love what Mark says. On a cushion. <laughs> on a pillow. That's how you know they were mad. They're like, oh, yo, you sleep on a pillow, Jesus? And he's in the middle of the storm. Lord, don't you care we're about to die? Gets up, cool, calm, and collected, goes to the edge of the boat. Peace. Be still. The wind and the waves are calm in a moment. In a moment. Literally, the Greek says, or suggests rather, that it went from a crazy hurricane to the sea being smooth as glass in an instant from words that emanated from the mouth of the master. And do you ever read what happened after Jesus said, why were you so afraid? Where was your faith? You ever read what the disciples said? It says they were terrified. They, were, they had what? Reverence. Respect. Because they didn't know who was on their boat. They didn't know who was with them. The disciples, watch this, who walked with him lost their reverence of him. The ones who were with him in the flesh forgot the weight of who was with them. And so that's why they were freaking out. You know you're losing your reverence when you're so quick to jump to fear. Because they're like, ah! And then as soon as he said, peace, be still, they said, oh my goodness. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? There was a reverence, a holy reverence, because they realized who was on the boat with them. And I promise you, later that night in the fire, when they were talking and just having a conversation, I bet they said, man, we messed up. We messed up. It's your fault, Peter. It's your fault, Judas. We messed up. Because we shouldn't have said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? They should have gone to him when he was sleeping on the pillow. And said, who is this man that can sleep on a pillow in the middle of a hurricane? Do you see how high these waves are and they're not even bothering him? He is snoring in the midst of a storm. If he is snoring in this storm, he must have a power in him that I'm not aware of. He must know something I don't know. So I'm going to stop spending my energy running around like I'm losing my mind when it's not going to help the situation anyway. Scoot over, Jesus. Let me just sleep next to you because if you ain't tripping about this, you you must know that I'm going to make it. You must know I'm going to get to the other side. You must know at the end, I'm going to be okay. Oh, do you see how much your life would change if you feared God instead of people? If you would stand in awe of the one who sleeps in the boat instead of standing in awe of the waves? Do you see how the fear of God would shape your life? And over the next four weeks, here's the prayer. I'm praying for myself and our church is God give us a fear of you give us a holy reverence of you don't let us do like the disciples who got so casual and comfortable with the Savior of the world that they forgot the weight of who he was don't let us come into church like we just check in a box and we're like okay I did it I came without realizing this is an opportunity to meet with the God of the universe. If you're not careful, 
especially if you've been walking with God for a long time, it is so easy to lose the fear. It's so easy to lose the reverence. It's so easy to treat holy things common and ordinary. There used to be a season in the church where everybody would preach about the fear of God. It was usually like these older church people, and they're like, you better fear him. Yeah, man, I fear him. That's what's wrong with y'all. Y'all don't fear him. And it was the people that were saying that they were scary. And they were just mean in the name of the fear of the Lord. That, oh, that was a huge season in the church. But now it's like we've gotten to the other pendulum where everything is like, oh, you good? Come on. Do what you want. You know he understands. God knows your heart. Come on in. And now we've gotten to this pendulum we forget this is a holy God that is to be feared, that is to be ripped. You know what we do? I think, hmm, I think we approach God kind of like, kind of like we go to the zoo. Have you ever been to the zoo? Anybody been to the Dallas Zoo? Hello? Have you been to the zoo? <laughs> been to the zoo? Hmm. I, I, I love the Dallas Zoo. I've been going for a while. Matter of fact, I, uh, I went to the zoo yesterday. Went to do zoo. I was studying this message, and I had to, this, is how, this is how sermon writing with Pastor Robert goes. I literally stopped writing my message yesterday to go to the zoo. To go to the zoo, in the middle of my sermon, because I wanted to see something. I wanted to see something. Let me show you. What, this is me at the zoo. Dallas Zoo yesterday. I want you to see something. Just, just watch this real quick. Real quick. Social fam, I just got here to the Dallas Zoo. Parking was crazy, but that's all right. We're here to see one animal, one animal only. The lions, come on, let's go. day. Checking out the lion. Had to leave a little early. Parking's crazy here at the Dallas Zoo. I gotta hurry up and get out. That was a good experience. Seeing the king of the jungle. Great. I Woo! I love it. I love it. It's a good sermon prep day when you eat ice cream. I honestly think what I just exhibited for you there is how people approach God. I think that's how people come to church like people at the zoo. Because you know the zoo is curated for you. <laughs> it is. The zoo is catered to you. You should have seen they had parking there. They had greeters at the zoo when I came in. I gave an offering, $34 I sold into the Dallas Zoo yesterday. My Lord, what are they feeding these animals? Sold in the offering, walked in, it was beautiful. Did you see me? I was eating ice cream and I was there talking about, nah, I was worshiping. I'm looking at these lions. That's what really tripped me out. I made sure they got a shot of it. Predator viewing area. <laughs> predator viewing area. Let's just look at some predators. Yeah, don't you like that? It's all kid. It's something about the zoo that's curated for you, that takes away the fear, the reverence that you would have for these animals if you saw them in the jungle. How many know there is a difference between looking at a lion in the zoo and a lion in South Africa on a safari? I bet you anything, if you are in South Africa on a safari, bet you won't be eating no ice cream cone. Oh, I bet you won't be chilling with your glasses on. If you, and I'll prove it to you, I have been 
on a safari in South Africa woo, to see some lions. I'm about to bless your life. I'm glad you came to church today. I dug through the records and I dug through the files and I found a video <laughs> from 2013 of me and my lovely bride on a safari in South Africa looking at some lions. Now before I show you this clip, let me set it up. We are in an open air Jeep looking at some lions that they told me don't do anything but lay down during the day. That's what I was told. <laughs> I was also told that I'm not making this up. Y'all think preachers exaggerate. I'm not making this up. I was also told three weeks prior to my visit, some tourists got out the Jeep to get a good picture and were attacked and killed by some of the lions. This is what I'm told before. Now, what I'm about to show you is a clip. Let me also say before y'all cancel me. <laughs> this is before I planted Social Dallas, okay? God is still working on me. I'm not responsible for any language that is in this. No, my watch It's not a long clip, but this is me and Pastor Taylor in a car in South Africa, and we told all the lions do is sit. Watch it. God. Oh, oh. Hey. Oh. oh my God. Dang, I thought it was coming for the back tire or something. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's so crazy. Okay, you missed it. Play it back again. Play it back again. I want you to see how close. Please see how close. Play it back again. I want you to God. see how close. Oh. Hey. Oh. oh my God. Dang, I thought it was coming for the back tire or something. <laughs> oh my God. Y'all not feeling it. Aslan was sitting. Got up. Went around the Jeep and came on that side. And when I tell you, when I saw how close he was, wasn't no ice cream cone? It was a reverence. It was a fear. This was bigger than the Lion King or National Geographic special. This wasn't a zoo. See, when, when you look at the lion in the zoo, because the zoo is curated for you, you can arrogantly assume that this is your territory. But when you see a lion on a safari, you are acutely and cognitively aware of the fact this is his house. <laughs> I am a guest. I am a visitor. And there's a fear. There's a reverence. I'm just wondering if we forget that we're his guests. I'm just wondering if we've gotten so casual that we've lost the reverence. <sighs> I feel like some of y'all didn't feel that illustration. Because again, that's just video. So then I got to thinking, what if your pastor was crazy enough? <laughs> to bring a lion into Gillies. I, I started thinking, what if your pastor was one of those pastors that would do anything to illustrate a point? Because y'all didn't feel it on the video. What? What if your pastor was so committed to this series that he wanted to let you know that if a lion was in the room today, you would change how you moved? What if, what if, what if your pastor was so crazy when he was at the Dallas Zoo, he had a conversation with the people who work with the lions, some of which who attend Social Dallas, and said, Pastor, we'll do anything to help you illustrate a point. If you need a lion at Gillies, we could probably make it work. What? What if your pastor was that crazy? Y'all, y'all know I'm not that crazy. <laughs> Actually, I am that crazy. I need everybody, uh, everybody to be real quiet. Uh, no sudden movements. Are they ready? No, I'm, I'm dead serious. Please be quiet. Okay, they got it. 
beautiful. If a lion was in the room and not on the screen, how would you respond? Now, in all seriousness, please don't scream. <laughs> Just gonna ask everybody to be quiet. I welcome my friend Ricky from the Don't Clap for him. <laughs> this is Ricky from the Dallas Zoo, lion expert. We're so glad that you're here today. Thanks, sir. I am. He's like, what kind of pastor are you? I said a crazy one. You've been working with lions how long? Uh, about 15 years. 15 years. You know I need to live after this, Ricky. All right. That's what I'm told. That's what I'm told. Yes, I need to live. And so, um, Ready? I, am I, are you? <laughs> if, hold on, don't know. I'm being serious, y'all, please. Do not move. If a lion was in the room, not on the Well, y'all thought I'm gonna mess up our insurance policy. Ain't nobody trying to bring a real lion up. Ah, I just messed all of y'all went live. Oh, girl, we at the church at Gillies. He about to bring a lion out. I brought him out. We just got this church. I ain't trying to lose it. <laughs> I told you they're a lion expert. Lion, lion expert. They work at Gillies. They don't. They just. They don't go to Dallas Zoo. Bought them shirts yesterday, $26.99. <laughs> I just wanted you to feel for a moment. I wanted you to feel fear. I wanted you to feel reverence. You do know our God is called the Lion. The tribe of Judah. Oh, he's different from our enemy who roams around like a roaring lion. But you need to know about your God of any animal that they could have used to describe who he is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I'm just telling you that if you ever in your walk with the Lord start treating holy things casual, if there's not a sense of awe, and wonder, you'll start embracing the other fear that keeps you so bound. God is calling his church back to a fear, the proper fear, a holy reverence of who he is, that we would stand in Oh, this word fear, this word reverence is so deep. It is not simple because it not only speaks to understanding that God is holy, that he has power, but it also speaks to not losing your wonder. Have you ever lost your wonder? It's so easy if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. It's easy to lose your wonder when you've gotten familiar. We took our kids to... State fair, you been to the fair yet? And it was so funny to see big techs through the lens of my son. This is his first year to really, you should have seen. Oh, oh, daddy, daddy, what's that, who's that, who's that, who's that? I was like, son, calm down. I've been going to the fair for years. This boy was losing his mind. The wonder of big techs, 
He was like, oh, 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 Ted, Ted, who's that? Who's, who is he? I said, son, that's big text. I said, that's what I said externally, internally. You know, because sometimes when you watch things, they get in your head. I say, yo, big text, if you start going red light, green light, I swear. <laughs> I promise you, I was like, people are crazy. <laughs> My son was going crazy over big text. Howdy, welcome to the state fair of two. Oh, daddy, he's talking. Yeah, son, that's what he does every year. I'm familiar. My son has fear. He has reverence. There's wonder. There's awe. And the challenge of my son will be as he gets older to not turn into what I turned into, like, oh, that's big tags. Fearing God is not the same as being afraid of God. Second thing I want us to get, and I'm, I'm almost done, is that fearing God Fearing God makes you live with an awareness of his presence. Fearing God is living with an awareness of his presence. That's why I brought Aslan out here. I wanted the awareness of the presence of this lion to affect you. Hear me, fearing God is not to mentally assent to his existence or even just to believe, with, believe in him or even just to have relationship with him because you can have relationship and not have reverence. It's deeper. It's deeper than that. And so I wish there was a real lion because I mean, you know, if it was, it would affect your behavior. You would live with an awareness in this room that this lion was here. This is the challenge of walking with God. This is why the fear of God is so necessary. It's to live with an awareness that his presence is there. Not just his existence. And not just that I'm in a relationship with him. But to what degree does his presence change the decisions that you make? To what degree does it change how you live your life? Or do you think I can do whatever I want? You got to be real careful if everything you want to do lines up with what God wants to do. You might not be serving God. You might just be serving you. If everything you want to do always lines up with what God wants you to do, you might not be serving God. You might be serving yourself and you've dressed yourself up. You've dressed your own thoughts up as God. Because I'm telling you, when you're in relationship with God, when you fear him, there will be a tension because he is committed to transforming you. He is committed to changing you. He is committed to challenging you. He is not committed to your comfort. He is committed to your change. So if fearing God always makes you feel comfortable, you don't fear him. You don't follow him. There ought to be something on the inside of you that makes you say, oh, God, I want to send this email, but I'm not. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. You're all right. Oh, I want to respond this way, but I can't. Why? Not because of you. Oh, if it was because of you, I would go off. I don't fear you. I fear God. I fear what would happen if I reacted the way I wanted to react. I fear God. This has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with my respect and my reverence for him. I don't want to mess up my relationship with him. I'm telling you, his awareness will affect your presence. Come on, somebody. It's not enough to just believe in existence or have relationship. How I many know? I believe in the existence of police officers. I got relationship with some police officers. I do. Believe in their existence, got relationship with them. But how I many you know when I'm driving and I'm late? Come on, when you're running late, I'm the only one. When I'm running late, them laws don't apply to me because I'm, <laughs> you ever been It's like, I'm late. <laughs> Everything goes out the window. 75 turns into 105. Stop at the stop sign, eh, it's optional because I'm running late. Oh, you ever like me? <laughs> you ever done this? You ever traveled somewhere and act like when you're in another state, like you just landed on earth and you don't know how to drive and the officer pulls you over? <laughs> I'm the only one. Officer pulled me over in California. California, I didn't stop at the stop sign. Pulls me over. He says, you didn't stop at the stop sign? I said, man, I'm from Texas. <laughs> sir, I'm not from here. He's <laughs> like, they don't have stop signs in Texas? I don't know, sir. I just... <laughs> the rules don't 
when you drive, you got grace for you, nobody else? It's like, I can break the rules. And I believe in the existence of officers. I got a relationship with the officers. But they don't change my behavior when I'm late. I'm sure that's somewhere on the road. Still don't change my behavior. But when I see them, oh, really? You gonna hide behind that chariot? Okay. When I see them, my hands, all right, what is it? Eight and four, two and four, three and two, five and six? I don't know. Tell the kids, be quiet, okay? Why, daddy? Cause, just be quiet. Pray, that's what you need to do is pray. My whole behavior changes. Everything, I turn down the radio. <laughs> put on Christian music, cut off, what is this? Taylor, the baby? No, put in some worship music, you wanna hear this? Everything changes. Checking my rearview mirror. The officer always existed, got relationship, but my awareness of his presence changed my behavior. Does your awareness of God's presence in your life change the way you live? Does it change how you love? Does it change where you go on a Friday night? Does it change how you carry yourself? Does it change how you speak? Does it change how you respond? This is why the fear of the Lord is mentioned over and over again, because if we could fear him, if we had reverence and respect for him, it would affect not only our life, but everybody's around us. The officer metaphor doesn't go all the way because you need to know this is a loving father. It's not trying to knock you upside the head when you mess up. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to be close to you. But the beautiful thing is, the reason the officer will give you a ticket is because you are not just damaging your life when you drive recklessly, you are putting other people's lives in danger. It's for the peace and the protection of the community. He's letting you know where you stand. Which brings me to my text as I close. Moses is at a mountain. And God wants to meet with his people. He wants to meet with them. And I love it because from the mountain, as they prepare themselves to meet with God, when they get to that mountain, there is lightning. There is thunder. There is smoke. The Bible says the mountain began to shake. They were fully aware, this is a lion. This is God. And the voice that comes from the mountain begins to give them the Ten Commandments, the law. And if you look at that at the surface, you're like, oh, here we go. Here's the God. Uh, that's what they did. They said, we're afraid. We want to run away. And that's how so many people live their lives as it relates to God. It's like, I'm, I'm afraid of him. He's got this standard. He's got this, these laws. I can't keep up with that. And I've got sin. And so let me run away. And, but, but don't forget what preceded the Ten Commandments. He said, I am the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. In other words, the reason I'm giving you these commandments, before I give you the commandments, I'm reminding you of where I brought you from. I'm reminding you that for 400 years you were in bondage and in slavery. So don't take my commandments out of the context of my love for you, out of the context of my freedom I provided for you. Oh, preach the Bible, Robert. This is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is that when I know he's brought me out of slavery, when I know he's brought me out of my sin, and that he gives me the commandments for my life, I actually want to do it, not because I have to. I want to do it because I'm thankful of where he's brought me from. I know where I should be. I know where I could be. See, religion just looks at the commandments and says, well, I got to keep up with all these rules or God's going to get me. But relationship says, God, I'm so thankful that you brought me out of the chains of sin and bondage. God, I'm so thankful that you saved me and redeemed me. So out of that relationship, it's my joy. It's my honor. It's not a have to, it's a I get to. Because I'm so thankful for what he's done. But the children of Israel, they said, no, Moses, we don't want to speak to him. You speak to him on our behalf. 
when God was coming to connect with them. And so watch this, Moses becomes the mediator between the people of God and between God. But it was never God's goal to have a mediator. He always wanted FaceTime with you and I. All the way from the Garden of Eden, this is what God has always desired, his intimacy with us. And although Moses was an okay mediator, it worked. Moses went to the mountain, came back down, told the people of God, here's what God said. How many are thankful for Jesus, who's a much better Moses, who came down, not from a mountain, but came down from heaven to earth, and he put on human skin. He came down as the ultimate sacrifice so that now we have access now we can approach the throne of grace, what Hebrews says, with boldness and confidence. But don't let the confidence make you lose your reverence. Thank God Jesus is a much better Moses. He's a much better Moses. But just because Jesus is a better Moses doesn't mean I get to relinquish the reverence. The reason the mountain shook, the reason the lightning and the thunder and the sound of a ram was heard because God said, don't you ever forget. This is not the zoo. This is a safari. The earth is mine and I created you. And I don't want you to ever be afraid of me, the fear that makes you run away, but I do want you to reverence me because as you reverence, you come close. I love what John Bevere says. He says, the fear of God means that I'm afraid to be away from his presence. That's what the fear of God is. The fear of God is not running away from him. The fear of God says, I'm afraid of doing anything that would break my connection to him. There's a reverence. Fearing God is not the same as being afraid of God. Fearing God is living with the daily awareness of his presence. And here's the last one that's going to bless maybe 15 of y'all. Fearing God will stop you from stupid decisions. I'll take that amen. Fearing God will stop you from stupid decisions. That's why all throughout Proverbs, fear God. It will keep you from sin, keeps us from sin when I have a reverence. It actually puts sin in its proper perspective. Doesn't mean that if I fear God, I'll never sin. No, as long as you're in a human body, you're gonna sin. But when I fear God, I have a reverence and I look at sin. I look at decisions through the lens of not just what it'll do to a person, what it will do to the heart of God. That's the reverence. It will stop you from making dumb decisions. Sir, it will stop you from going to that hotel. Ma'am, it will stop you from saying that to your child. It will stop you from cheating on that test. It will stop you from cutting corners because there's a reverence. There's a reverence that understands I represent the testimony of Jesus in the earth. As I land, do you know who one of my heroes is in the Bible? Joseph. Joseph is on a whole nother level. I look at Joseph's life, I'm like, bro, did you make at least one mistake? Well, you're supposed to look at the Bible and see people like Peter, like, yo, I can relate. Cussing, cutting, keep jacking up, I'm with you. <laughs> Joseph is on a whole nother level. The young man that had a dream. The young man that was betrayed by his own brothers. Sold into slavery. Sold into slavery. And yet he still trusted God. Everywhere he went, the favor of God was with him. That's one thing about the favor of God, while we can't talk about it right now. <laughs> favor of God is not just for, oh, my hate is the favor of God will follow you in the best of situations and in the worst of situations when his favor is on you. See, we only have a context for favor when we get the raise. But I'm telling you, you can be favored in prison. The 
that's what happened to Joseph. Sold into slavery, betrayed by his own brothers. He didn't do anything but tell people his dream. If anybody had a reason to go, God, how can I be in this situation? If anybody had a reason to maybe curse God, it's Joseph. He didn't do anything wrong. He just walked in the favor of God. Sold into slavery, forgotten. Finally gets raised up to the highest position. Potiphar, second in command. Yes, he's in a bad situation. Yes, he's in a place he didn't see it, but at least he's in the house running stuff. Who the Bible says everything in Potiphar's house who was second in command, the vice president, if you will. Everything under Joseph's jurisdiction ran smoothly. And even Potiphar knew that the favor of God was on his life. That's what I love about God's favor. Who, please understand you represent Jesus wherever you go. People who aren't even saved can look at your life and say, there's got to be a reason everything you touch is blessed. No, it's not everything I touch. It's I talk to him before I touch it. I have a reverence. I have a fear. I'm telling you, your life will speak volumes to people who don't even call Jesus Lord. Everything's going good except Potiphar's wife starts noticing Joseph. Bible says Joseph was well-built and handsome. Hello, when the Bible says you're well-built and handsome, please believe. <laughs> he was well-built and handsome. And she noticed him. He's fearing the Lord that and she, no, like, not noticed, she noticed him. This is why the fear of the Lord is so important. Because there is a spirit in the earth, an unclean spirit, a perverted spirit, a spirit of lust that loves to attach to people that fear the Lord. That's why, hear me, single person, hear me, married person, guard your heart, guard your purity, because there are some people who are unclean that love to attach themselves to the purity of your life. And if you're not careful, they will drag you down. They will destroy you. The spirit of lust will attach itself Sometimes to the people who are trying to be pure. Every day, Potiphar begged Joseph to sleep with him. This is not Joseph sliding in her DMs. She's sliding in his DMs. Every day. I was preaching this one time at a men's conference, and the dude afterwards was like, yeah, man, it's probably easy for Joseph, bro. Potiphar's wife is probably ugly. I said, homie, Potiphar was second in command. He was rich. Show me a billionaire that got an ugly wife. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? <laughs> Guys look better when they got some money. Like, you know what? We can know. I can't do him. Oh, he does what? You know, he kind of cute. He kind of got some. He work well? Oh, my God. Yeah, no. He just, he just changed the hair a little bit. Every day. Every day, she begged him to sleep with Joseph, refuse. I want you to look at what he said. Because I'm telling you, the fear of the Lord will stop you from making stupid decisions. By the way, nobody would have ever known. Nobody would have ever known. But look at what he says to her after she begged every day. Joseph says, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against, and sin against, oh man, my glasses, and sin against, sin against, God, not against Potiphar, not against you, against God. Joseph feared the Lord. He said, girl, this is not just about you. I have a reference and respect for him. Yes, there's going to be damage if we do that, but it's deeper than that. I revere him. I don't want to lose my anointing. I don't want to lose my relationship with him. Though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Why? Because he was so pure? Yes, but it came from a place fearing God. One time, she grabbed homeboy's coat and he ran. 
Because if he said, I'll do whatever it takes, I can't mess up my relationship with God. I reverence him. I'm praying over these next few weeks as we dive into this, that we would be a church that is defined by the fear of the Lord. Oh God, that we would reverence him, that we would not treat holy things casual. We say, God, I respect, I revere you. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.